0: Once your playing days are done, you see yourself still as an athlete. You probably operate still as an athlete. But now you got a job, and now if you see yourself as an athlete, you see if and you operate like an athlete, you gonna walk around in sweats. You are gonna thinking you thinking you can just you gonna be just going to the weight room hitting the weights. Well, you still you you got that same athlete mindset, but you're in a different stage of your life. So what I had to do was realize, hey. This game is over. It's time for me to start thinking as a businessman, acting as a businessman, doing what businessmen do. So when I get into this business world, now that I'm in the business world, I can operate at a higher at a higher level like businessmen do. Because my mind is there versus just my grind being there. So you can move on, but if your mind don't move on and your mind don't shift to the next phase of your life, the next thing you are, if you're still stuck in the past that, hey, I'm an athlete. I dress like an athlete. I look like an athlete. I walk like an athlete. I do what athletes do. But I'm in the sales world. You ain't gonna make no sales. This is Derek Furlow Jr., former University of Tennessee football player, author of What's Next? How to Transition Like a Champion. And now you are listening to Heads and Podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Somm, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete's story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life. You can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. Today I'm excited to bring you a former University of Tennessee football player and author of the book, What's Next? How to Transition Like a Champion, Derek Furlow Jr. And uh, Derek is a, obviously an expert in this area on transitioning to a life after sports. And uh, today we're going to talk about his his new book. And let's start off by talking about, you know, who you wrote uh, the book for.
0: Man, well, first off, definitely thank you for the opportunity to be here and share Kevin. Um, love what you're doing. And as far as the book, man, the, the book was wrote for athletes, but it's not just for athletes. It's for anyone transitioning who will consider themselves a champion and want to transition like a champion to the next phase of their life. So it definitely has the athlete's perspective because um, I realized from playing ball in my transition days and seeing a lot of guys struggle with the transition that when they were done playing, whatever that sport may be, a lot of athletes didn't know what to do next or how to apply those skills they learned from the game in the next phase of their life or how to apply lessons they learned into the next phase of their life, whether it was from the game or anything else. So the book was definitely tailored for athletes, but it's truly for anyone that desires to be a champion or that is a champion that just want to transition how to a true um, potential of transitioning and making it smooth and making the best transition possible.
1: Cool. So how many of your former teammates like really struggled in that transition? Like, did you talk to them, the guys who were struggling or and, and also guys who were successful and kind of like to, to figure out, you know, what was going to be in this book?
0: Well, it, it, for one, I started taking notes on this transition struggle as a redshirt sophomore, just being aware of older guys leaving, coming back. Other university guys that we played against, making it to the league, being short lived, and then struggling after the fact because it was all around me. Um, so I didn't really have to ask just guys I played with. It was it was evident. And one thing that happened in two thousand and thirteen, I sent out um, a hundred text messages to a hundred guys, and then a hundred text messages to a hundred females, and a good majority responded. And the question was, what does sports teach you? And out of about 150 that responded, I only had about 10 different answers that wasn't generic like hard work, dedication, and teamwork. And that's when I realized athletes was not getting the message that, that, that what sports can teach them or they if they were getting it. They didn't know how to apply it into life and the business when they were done playing. So um, that's kind of how the overall scope kind of came together. but. As far as the book, it it was evidence around me from from just paying attention to being aware. That's interesting. So you're
1: saying like the answers you got were all like the cliche answers that you know everyone says. Not like people weren't really understanding or grasping like the true value and the true skills that they were learning along the way, just like those generic ones.
0: Absolutely right, man. It was it was all it was all surface deep. No 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 one gave me an answer that I felt that was was going to help them advance. In life after the game, or that wasn't the, gen- the the basic generic stuff that you hear on a regular basis, man. So you're right that the the common ones that you hear on a regular basis, all oh, sports taught me this sports taught me that. So that's when I knew it, it, it. just confirmed what we already knew that that was a problem.
1: Yeah, and you definitely addressed those in your book, and I was lucky enough to to read it. And you really do go into the specifics of of each of those like broad categories that are applicable to other things. So you know. When you're thinking about some of the guys that you remember seeing coming back to school, guys with short-lived NFL careers, you know what specific things were they doing or were they lacking that you noticed and you you saw that there was a problem and that that needed to be solved?
0: Well, man, the first the first one was was obvious. Is when you're in school playing ball, you're you're there supposed to be for your education, but of course you're there to play ball, you can make it to the NFL to that next level. Well, when you see guys leave early and knowing when they was in school, they really didn't care for school that much because that wasn't the motive. Well, when they get to the league or leave early and things don't work out and you come back to school, a place that you didn't want to be in the first place, um, that's already a red flag. So hence, you come back because you don't know what's next. You don't know what to do with, 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 in, in life outside of sports because then the the pinnacle has been reached and it didn't last or turn out how you want it to turn out. Now it's oh I don't know what to do now, so I'm gonna go back to my comfort zone, which is school. I'll go to school to finish my degree, quote unquote. But at the end of the day, when I was there and I had a chance to get my degree, I didn't take advantage of it then. So that was the obvious problem that that, that I saw. And then knowing what we know that the NFL is short lived and you hear so many guys say, the NFL stands for not for long. Seeing guys squander their money when they do get it, it made me realize, man, you got to be financial literate with, with with a little bit of money. Because if you can't, if you can't stack if you can't manage small paper, you can't manage tall paper. So you got to start educating yourself on how money works when you don't have a little, when you don't have a lot of money, because when you do get more money, there's gonna be more problems, more people reaching out to you. And if you can't manage it when you don't have any money, when you get some money, you're gonna go right back to being broke. So a mentor told me a long time ago, if your if your if your pers- if your income exceeds your personal development, your personal development will quickly run back to or your your income will re- run back to meet you where you are. So you only have that money for a short period of time because you broke mentally, you broke financial literacy wise. So if they give you a million dollars, it's only a matter of time before your before your mindset gets you broke again because that's who you are and you haven't developed to the person that, to the millionaire or to that hundred thousand or to that that money status that you made it to so those were the two that i I noticed immediately and that's when i was like i for one i didn't want to be that guy but for two i didn't want none of my guys to be those guys
1: right and that's great advice and uh so before we get into like your story uh and parts of the book as, as well you know in from a in a general broad perspective like what will people find in this book
0: i believe people are gonna find uh a, a, a couple of different things. For one, I, I, I pray they find hope, hope that there is life after sports. Um, cause there is and hope that, Hey, i made it in whatever, my, whatever I did it, that, that I was the best at, I can make it in something else and become the best at it. Cause I put the work in before and all I have to do is put the work in again. So hopefully they'll, they'll find hope. Hopefully they'll find their formula and, in, 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 in their wins that they made in life prior to reading this book and realize what it took for them to get those wins, whether it was on the field, on the court, in the pool, and say, "Hey, I did this, this, and this over here. All I got to do is be able to correlate those same things in a different phase or a different stage of my life, and I can win over here as well." So, those are the things I, I, I wanted to find, and then lastly, hopefully, find the puzzle pieces. Man, they be, they, they realize where they are and where they want to go, and they be able to put the puzzles from where they've been to help them correlate where they are right now to help them get where they're going. So I, I, I it's a lot of different things I, I, I feel people will find, but it really just kind of depends on where they are when they're reading it and, and what right. stage they are when they're reading it, man.
1: Yeah. I think you, you you hit the nail on the head for what I grasped and got from, from your book. And I wish that I had this book, you know, eight, nine years ago when I was at a really low point thinking that there was nothing well like left for me to do to prove my worth to the world after football. And I really could have used some of, uh, you know, the, the roadmap that you kind of laid out in, in your book. Um And I, on this podcast, I talk a lot about injuries and one of the things I really related to you uh was when you went through an ACL injury in high school. So can mm-hmm. you kind of take us through uh, that story?
0: Yeah, man. And um, that, that was, there was definitely um, some, some adversity that, 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 that struck me unexpectedly. And how that came about is from growing up, moving around a lot as a kid, we finally got settled outside of Atlanta in this place called Griffin, Georgia. And then we get settled there and I'm thinking, hey, we're going to be here for a while. So I finally opened up, and get into high school and decided to, to, to create my own name on the football field. And then my step, my mom, my stepdad, we ended up moving again to Cross at Arkansas, which I had never been to Arkansas in my my life before. So, all of a sudden, you go take a kid from Atlanta, um, that moved down in Griffin to this place called Cross at Arkansas, and I had I always wanted to be in control of my life and 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 have a better life because growing up, we my mom was a single mom with three kids, and situation had got better once she got married, but once we made this move. I felt like I was now not, no longer in control of my life, and I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. I I I was pretty much just at bay to what whatever was going to happen to me. And when I got to Arkansas, I really wanted to get out, and I had this this this, this vision of what can I do that's going to get me out of here. And me, and my stepmom had this conversation once before. She said this may be an opportunity for you to reinvent yourself. So when I got to Arkansas, I saw an opportunity as a guy as a young kid coming from Atlanta were. Where football, the presence, the stage is more dominant than a lot of other states, and getting to Arkansas knowing that that stage and that present wasn't as dominant. So, I kind of just put myself on the map as a football player. And I say, seeing football as a way out to change my opportunity to put myself in control of my life, my finances, of course, having to have the NFL goal in mind. And also, as to getting a, a full ride to the University of Georgia, hopefully I can get back to Georgia as well. So, I've seen all these opportunities present themselves once I got to Arkansas. Which pretty much was my get out of Arkansas plan. So football became that plan. Basketball kind of went by the wayside. I did track just the the work on my, my, my speed and, and, and things of that nature for football. So I get there my sophomore year, things went okay. We played a little bit, didn't play as much as I wanted to, but we got some attention and we the the guys knew and the coaches knew we was gonna be the future. Me and my brother was the future of the team. So my, my junior year comes and we, we put in more work that offseason and by the time my junior year come now I'm the man it's, it's, it's your time so I had these goals to, to put this put this city on the map put the high school on the map and put myself on the map I rushed for 2200 yards 20 touchdowns taking us to state and winning the state championship and that was pretty much the end goal that was my get out of Arkansas plan because I knew if I did all those things by default I would get attention and by default I would get my full ride from the University of Georgia because it was going to put that school on the map a place it had never been before so we went to work man and we ended up finishing my sophomore my, my junior year 10-0 during the regular season and we ended up going streaking through the first three rounds of the playoffs um until we got to the, the final round and we ended up losing that game 21-7 to 7, and now it was back to square one back to doing it all over again so at that point, I, I, I was down a little bit, but the attention started to come. I started getting letters from schools and got a chance to take more visits. And 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 I knew my plan was working because I started to get that attention. Even though we didn't win the championship, even though I didn't reach, reach my touchdown um, goals or my rushing yard goals, the attention was there. So all I realized, all i do, hey, was they just do it again? And sure enough, it's going to happen. So... That was the plan. We 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 hit about nine different camps that summer and got more and more attention. And I ended up going to a camp in Arkansas, a place I didn't plan on going anyway. Um, but we visited. I was up there with Darren McFadden. And, and at that camp, we were doing some DBG's. I jumped for a ball, came down, and, and tweaked my knee a little bit. And on that ride home, my knee swole up. And we put it off for a little while because we didn't think it was nothing major, even though I was kind of just putting it off because I was nervous. But ended up going to the doctor. They said it's a meniscus tear. You just get it scope yeah, three weeks. So it was no biggie. We'll miss the first couple games of the season. My team can handle that, and I'll come back right when conference started, and we'll go ahead and ball out and, and make this run to win the championship and, and, and put the city and the school on the map and get my full ride and get out of Arkansas. And sure enough, I went in to go have the scope, and when I woke up, I was getting pushed out of the operating room, and I touched my leg, and I had this brace on my, on my leg and I asked the doctor what was his brace for, and he said, we repaired your ACL. And at that point, um, all the emotion hit me because, you know, an ACL injury, that's, that's, that's going to put you out for a season. And at this point, I went from having these dreams, to these goals of getting out of Arkansas, putting the city, the state, the school on the map, and achieving my goals and dreams to being out for the season, making myself irrelevant in the football landscape, but also Making it where I'm not sure how my dreams are gonna come true because I can't do the thing I was put here to do, which was to play ball. And um that was the the eye opener, the the awakening thing for me. And that's when a lot of stuff started to shift because at that moment I did a lot of question asking and uh and, and and asking God, why me, why me, why me, and which I believe a lot of us ask why me in the midst of our circumstance or situation when we don't understand. And of course I asked why me and you gotta be careful what you ask for, because sometimes you get an answer. And I remember one day doing a rehab in my room, but I had took a machine home, and I was doubling up, hoping I was gonna make it back before the season ended. And uh, I asked God, "Why me?" He said, "Hey, I gave you this football stage to give me the glory, but instead you've been using them for your own selfish reasons and personal ambitions and dreams and goals. and haven't gave me anything. So I had to take the stage away from you, and let you know who's in charge, and where you should be, where you should have been putting your focus." And from that point, man, it was more one of those, okay, you got my attention now. What, what I need to do? And he said, you need, to, you, need, you need to be using this stage to give me glory and follow me. and what, what's, what's, what's up to me? It, it'll be. So I just put my faith in the Lord and just went to work, kept doing rehab, and ended up making it back on the field. The last game, unfortunately, we did not make it to the playoffs, but addressed to the last game. Coach did not give me the ball, but um, <laughs> I made my, 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 my goals of making it back on the field. And at that point, I was not sure what was going to happen next. And that's how you know the Lord works in mysterious ways. So I ended up getting a letter in the mail from the University of Tennessee, which was a school I did not visit, which was a school I did not even pay attention to because I was from Georgia. So I was a, a Bulldogs fan and I had seen Tennessee play Georgia um, once before in 2004 and Tennessee won. So that was my only time I ever seeing Tennessee play. And they invited me to this um Event they called was called the Spring Fling, and little did I know that there was two guys I played against in Arkansas in seven on seven that prior some of my junior year summer, and they were already committed to Tennessee. And lo and behold, coach had saw me on film, and they knew what I was capable of. And I had a chance to go up there on that visit, I had a chance to sit down with them, and they said, "Look, we can't offer you a full ride scholarship because you're coming off an injury. And we're not sure what's what's." Or are you going to recover but if your knee recovers we got a full ride waiting on you and I said all I need is opportunity they said well here's your opportunity so they gave me a shot man and that was that was a shot I wanted that I did I that I was I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen but that felt like that was the only shot I had all the other bridges I had pretty much burnt because me and Georgia stopped talking all the schools that was not in the SEC I kind of shrugged them off because I had made my mind made up where I was going to play so I had a lot, I'd done a lot of, I guess, arrogant things at that point, knowing that I was destined to be in a certain place and play at a certain place, which I would say nowadays it all worked out for me. But back then, it probably was not the best of ideas. So I definitely wouldn't advise a high school um, sophomore, junior or senior to burn bridges or be so confident that you, you burn bridges and not knowing what's going to work out for you. But it all worked out for me. And I ended up making it to the University of Tennessee and put in a lot of work, man, a lot of work, and about I got there in 2005 that summer, in 2007, after getting denied twice for my full ride, we just put the work in, and it actually wasn't, um, wasn't as smooth or as fast as I thought it would have been. I thought it was going to be like the next year or the following year, and I remember 2006, I had a good friend of mine, Inky Johnson, who got hurt. And almost lost his life and we was all in the, in the in the in the hospital visiting him the dbs and we walk in and coach asked him how he was doing and ink said i'm at peace and that's when everything kind of shifted for me because when he said he was at peace and he almost lost his life i was sitting there thinking well, how am i worried about a scholarship worried about some money and this guy almost died and whatever peace he got i need to have and that was kind of the second awakening that guy had had, had had nudged me because in high school he, he took the game away from me and, and, and told my spirit to, 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 to follow him and believe in him. And then in college, I thought I was doing it prior to that first injury, but I guess I got up there and got more focused on my scholarship and, and, and my situation and what I wanted. Again, back to me, 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 me. So the Lord didn't let it work out for me until Inky got hurt and I realized, hey, I haven't been focused on the thing I need to be focused on. And after that, after that hospital visit, I just put, put my faith back in the Lord, my trust back in the Lord, started doing more FCA work. And being that leader and using my stage for his glory and just not making it about me anymore, man. And sure enough, that following, that following count, got a, got a call, um, in the office and coach said, Hey, we want to give you a full ride. But a lot of that just came from me being obedient and listening to, um, and following the plan that Lord had for my life. And a lot of that just came on me, stop thinking about me, 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 and started thinking about, what am I here to do who am I here to impact? And I realized football was that stage. It was a lot of guys coming behind me that were lost. It was a lot of guys coming behind me that was gonna go through some things. And the yard wanted and the Lord wanted to use me as my use my stage to say, Hey bro, I done been through this, I done been through that. You gotta keep your head up and keep going. Hey, we play football, but it's not it's is that don't mean it's not cool to go show people that you love the Lord. So when I started doing that, man, that was probably one of the biggest changes I made and that direct influence that, that the Lord showed with my teammates and, and the campus allowing us to just kind of rally around FCA and, and become young men in Christ, He opened the door for me on the, on the back end for me just being obedient and, and, and serving Him, man. so it, it, was a, it was a blessing. It was definitely um, not the journey I thought I was going to take. I thought it was going to be easier and thought the plans was going to work out a whole lot faster and smoother, but I believe we all got our, our paths. and. Everything works out how it's supposed to work out. Everything happens how it's supposed to happen. And um, I'm, 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 I'm grateful and thankful that it worked out how it worked out for me.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because the, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes comes up quite frequently on the podcast. I've had a, a few sports psychologists who uh, reference the Fellowship of Christian a- Athletes a lot. And I'm a big Tim Tebow fan. I know you are, too. Yes, and, sir. Uh, yeah, So I've always been interested in kind of the role of faith in overcoming injury and like the the athlete transition. And it's something that I still don't think I've quite grasped yet. So I guess my next question is when you said where you were in that like why me stage and you know, you were you're focused on yourself and it was all like me, me, me things. I guess like how did you know like what did like what God wanted you to do like was it something like uh, Inky Johnson, like that kind of injury, something he said that, like, pointed you in that direction? Or, like, I guess how do you know, like, what what he wants from you?
0: Man, that, that's a great question. And, and really, I guess we all get different types of clarity or different moments of clarity. And at that point, man, I, I, I remember seeing it would been so many times that from playing ball earlier prior to me getting injured where I would be walking in a grocery store And people I don't even know will walk up to me and say, hey, it's something about you. Can I pray for you? Literally, that happened at malls, at grocery stores. So I I wasn't quite sure why that happened to me frequently, but it was kind of like a little seed that was planted that you're here for a bigger reason. And when I moved to Arkansas, it was kind of funny. Me and my brother used to say, they used to say, so so what what made y'all move here or why y'all here? And I used to joke around and say, I'm here to make your life better. And when I said that, I was saying it as in that place was behind in time. It it was behind. So like Atlanta is like get first everything when it comes down to urban, clothes, music, things of that nature. Well, Arkansas was like five years behind. So (laughs) I could get stuff and bring it there stuff they'd never seen before. And when I said that jokingly, I I felt like I was kind of updating and and upgrading the people there and and kind of putting them ahead of the curve. So I said that jokingly, I'm here to make your life better, but it became it became a um, a way of life because what I realized was when I was working and grinding towards this get out of Ar- on this get out of Arkansas plan, it was a lot of guys on my team who was from Arkansas who didn't plan on going anywhere else because that place is kind of like a, a, a trap or you 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 get there you grow up you're, you're born there you grow up there you stay there forever. But once me and my brother got there and we talked about what it was like to be in Atlanta and where we're going to go and what we want to do, these big dreams, I seen guys have this this, this hope of, hey, that's possible for me. I just never thought about it. So they would work out with us just as hard as I was working out. Like they had a reason or a goal or a dream bigger than being in Arkansas. So it was like the, the harder I went, the more I drove myself for this get out of Arkansas plan. I seen guys working with me. That was my teammates. That was my brother. So I knew indirectly that football was was, was, it was bigger than football but once i got hurt and i asked why me god kind of gave me that clarity of football is a temporary stage for your permanent purpose and my permanent purpose was not football it's going to end at some point in time whether it's in high school college or pros everybody's stage is going to come to an end that, that that sports stage and it's only a temporary stage for your permanent purpose and your permanent purpose it's to glorify the kingdom. He just kind of reveals it in a different way or different avenues or gives you clarity on how you're going to give um, glory to the kingdom and, and share and let your stage give him glory. So in my perspective, I knew it had to do with impacting, inspiring and empowering people. And I actually start started that company later on in college. Um, but in high school, the impacting and inspiring and empowering, I and mean, I, I believe it just came from. My energy, my perspective, and getting a chance to just get them new music and new clothes, just that a different, something different they was not used to it and they didn't have available. So I said it jokingly and long and behold, it became um, a reality. And that was not really my doing. It was just um, the, the Lord working. So I can't say, I don't know how, it, how he reveals himself and how he gives you that clarity on what you're here to do or, to everyone or how is it going to come across? But at that moment, you just know when you know. And I knew when I knew. And then when ink got hurt, that was kind of confirmation. Okay. You can, you're off track again. So I think once you're seeking, seeking, seeking the Lord, man, in this word, when you get something devastating that happened to you or that you feel it's devastating, you know, how we are, right? when, we, when it's devastating to us, then we pay attention to him. So I, I believe that's what happened, man. That made me more aware of, of, of what he was looking to do in my life.
1: All right. Uh, before we get off of the, in the ACL injury uh, topic, you know, how can an athlete kind of take an experience like that and a devastating experience like that and translate that into something that comes up outside of sports?
0: Man, well, the, the first, the first thing that that an athlete can do is the biggest one, man, I would, I would go with the identity um, that, 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 uh, the identity piece. So, now I call it identity jail and all my life I had been playing football. But once I got hurt, I was still a football player or athlete, but I wasn't playing football. So that became the first time I experienced and technically for a year, my identity was gone or dead or not in use. So. I had to be something else or, or be Derek, not the football player, even though I still was. But since I wasn't playing, I was I was just Derek. Um. So when it comes down to life or in business, it's going to be some things that you put so much into. And at some point in time, they're going to end. And you're going to have to be who you are. Now, just important to find out who you are before that happens, because it's devastating. So an injury like that, you get a chance to realize who you really are and and, and grow and develop as a person, not as an athlete or as a football player, not as a tennis player, not as a swimmer. You get a chance to grow and develop as a human being. So. You just gotta take that in mind. And then as far as on using that to, to 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 I guess to help you in general, a lot of the rehab, man, it goes into it. When you when you get injured like that and you had these goals, these dreams, these these ambitions of making something happen, and adversity hits, you gotta be able to adjust. You gotta be able to figure it out. You gotta be able to, to either you're gonna either hold them or you're gonna fold them. You're gonna either realize how bad you really want it or realize you didn't really want it that bad. So when life happens or in business happens, when you get in life, it's gonna be some sicknesses that's gonna come, it's gonna be some deaths that's gonna happen, it's gonna be some financial situation that's gonna happen, it's gonna be some 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 you might have kids, you might have a wife, you might you might be a husband, you, 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 the house might get foreclosed on, you might get lose a job. Ain't no telling what's going to happen, but when that adversity strikes, you're either going to hold it or you're going to fold it, or you're going to be prepared to, to figure it out and make it happen. And that injury is one of those things that if you take the same mindset into life, you don't been, been in a setback before. You don't been down and out before. Now, what you do to that injury, most likely it's going to repeat itself when you get to life. If you quit, if you fall, when it get hard, when you get in life, you're going to quit, you're going to fall because that's what you know, and it worked out for you. It got you this far. So I would just say, that injury, man, it it'll open your eyes up if you allow to open your eyes up, and then to take take it one step further when you get into the business world, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're an employee or an employer, when when stocks go up, if you, if you got people that's investing in your company and they start pulling away and the stock and your stocks are dropping, or if you got employee employees that you can't manage, or or if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking to start up a business and launch a company things are not going to go your way. You're going to hit some adversity along the way. So how are you going to respond? How are you going to react? Are you going to fold? Are you going to keep pushing? Are you going to see how bad you really want it? Or are you going to realize you didn't really want it that bad? So that injury correlation, man, it goes a long way in a lot of different aspects of our life. Most of the time, we just don't make that correlation and carry it over to our life and to our business. And the moment you register and realize that life is, is I I call football life prep or sports life prep because it's preparing you for life and a lot of those things that you deal with that you handle in sports you kind of got it in a um, it's like a you, you, you get you get practice reps at it you can do it over and over and over again until you get it right so imagine getting hurt once or twice or three times and the first time you got hurt you came back too early so you got hurt again the second time you got hurt you didn't rehab hard enough so you wasn't as strong as you were. And the third time you got hurt, you realized I wasn't going to come back early. I'm, I'm going to rehab, rehab extra hard this time. So the third time, you're a pro when it come down to recovery or in rehab. Well, when you get in life, you ain't going to get no, no first, second, third times around. Sometimes you're going to get one shot, but you can realize this might be my one shot. I got to make the best of it. Unlike when you was hurt, you didn't think about it that way. So it gives you a lot of different perspectives on, hey, I got one shot to make this thing count. Let me get it right. Whether I'm launching a company, partnering with somebody, getting my first job, learning sales, um, whatever that looks like, you might realize it since you got hurt three times and realize, hey, the third time I got it right, let me get this right this first time around because I might not get another shot. In the business world, they might fire me. Or in the business world, they might not want to partner with me. It's a lot of different things that you can take from that injury and that recovery, that rehab process um, that you're going to go through mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And if you can take away from it, and, and correlate it to the next thing you do, man, it makes life and business, it makes you, it makes you, it makes you unstoppable, man. And, um, that's, that's what I want a lot of athletes to realize. You, you, you're already built to win. You just got to go execute.
1: Yeah. And I know if any athletes who are injured or who are listening to this, I mean, the energy that you have, you know, and the advice that you're giving is like exactly what they need to hear. Uh, so I, I appreciate that. So it going back to your book and kind of, your time at uh tennessee when you're trying to make a name for yourself and earn a scholarship you know you know how how did you approach making a name for yourself and like how do you still do this today and i'm thinking it's particularly in terms of like adding value that was something that i uh, really was powerful to me when i was reading your book
0: awesome man and um it's funny you say that because that took a minute to register with me because back again i go i go back to saying me, 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 I, I, my, my, my. And the first year I went in there, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to compete with these guys and so they can give me my scholarship. And when I went back to the coach and they said no, I'm like, okay, well, that didn't work out. Maybe I need to do this thing again. And um, we went back and tried it again that spring. And they said no again. And that's when it finally registered to me because all I was doing, was thinking about me, 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 my, 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 I, 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 and in that process, I realized this: when it comes down to the school, they want something out of me too. So now I start to think, what can I give them that's going to make me more attractive? Because now they they already got me here, so they don't want to give me a scholarship because it's a business behind. They can say that scholarship go get somebody else. They just got a they got value on the team. So what what more value can I add that's going to make them want to give me the scholarship? So I started thinking about, OK, well, graduation rate is important. Team GPA, that's important. Being dual and versatile in multiple positions, that's important because now if somebody goes down, you can play this position, you can play that position. So b- being able to get relentless effort and every time you show every time they turn on the film they show they show up effort is important. So I started to take a look at the things they wanted out of a player, or needed out of a program, or needed out of an organization, and saying how much of that can I deliver that I can control? And literally once I started to to do those things, put myself on course to graduate in three years, value add. End up getting the SEC honor roll, value add. And as far as on the field, man, I had this this player's prayer, you probably read it in the book, man, just, just say, play hard, play far, play smart, play fast, make the plays to come my way, and, and, and literally get them, make it so they can't deny me. So give them no excuse to not want to give me my scholarship. And once I went out there and added so much value to them, man, it ended up working out in my favor because I ended up getting what I wanted out of the deal, but in return, they got a lot of stuff out of the deal as well. So. It just made me stop being so selfish and thinking about me. I had to change the perspective on it and, and see what can I do for them. And a mentor told me this a while ago. He said, "If you help enough people to get what they want, you have everything you want." Well, in a football context, I had to help the university, the team, the coaching staff get the things they was looking for out of a player, and in return, I got the scholarship that I wanted. So it was um, a eye opening experience, man. But it was it was a blessing and um, something that I use today because. I know everything single thing I do, whether I'm approaching it in life or in business, it's not about me. I got to add value to people, hence why we got the book, hence why we got the Sports Life Business University going to release, hence why we got the curriculum. If I help enough athletes transition like a champ, by default, I'll be taken care of. If I help enough people transition like a champ, by default, I'll be taken care of. If we can continue to deliver value and impact, inspire and empower people, by default, I'll be taken care of. So. Now every day is approach of not what can your country do for you, but what can you do for your country? And, um, that's literally the, the the mindset behind it, but football just gave me a way of, of using it. And now I apply every day to the best of my abilities. Yeah.
1: That was a great exclamation, man. That was, that was awesome. Uh, another quote that I pulled that you said, uh, coach Lane Kiffin said that I thought was interesting that you've applied to your life today is you see a little, you see a lot. You see a lot. You see mm. nothing. And Magic how right does there. That, man. Yeah, I love that. So, can you kind of explain the context of that and what it meant to you and what it means to you now?
0: Man, you know, I, I I would love to. That that guy taught me so much, man. In that one year that I that I played underneath him, and they came about, man. We was we was um, we was learning the playbook. A lot of things came about after learning that playbook. Um, hence, sports like business—the whole correlation where they all come together—and. How it how it even came, came came about? We was we was having to l- learn the playbook, and of course, you know, you get new coaches in there, and their job is to weed people out, man. So we're in there, and you don't know this playbook, you it's a good chance you gonna get weeded out. And I had got a scholarship, so technically I had to keep it with a new coaching staff. So I didn't want to be the guy, be the weak link. So as we learned these playbooks, he said something one day. and He said, "Hey." This right here is the same as this right here. So he compared my old play to the new playbook and he said, this is the same as that. And that's what the light bulb went off on, on the first thing, correlation and the carryover. I can carry over what I already know from the old playbook to the new playbook. And all I got to do is get the terminology and I'm, I'm I'm good to go. So that was the first thing he said. Well, the next time it happened was at practice. And I was supposed to have Allie Field. And then you run straight through this gap, that was going to open up right for me to run through. And I was looking at the whole field. And by the time it happened, I reacted late. So, coach walks up to me and he said, Hey, D, you see a little, you see a lot, you see a lot, you see nothing. And what he was telling me was, focus on my job, the one job that I'm there to do. Once it happens, once I read my key and it happens how it's supposed to happen, everything else gonna take care of itself. So, even though I had been used to playing safety and seeing the whole field at this particular place, at this particular point, when you're down in the box, you got one particular job to do first. So once you focus on that, based off what happens, by default, it was going to put me in the right position, in the right situation to make the play. I just needed to focus on that main, that main key, that main read first. So once he said that, man, it was crazy because you want to see everything, but I didn't really trust what he was saying until I did it and then it worked out. So from that point on, I didn't question anything else he said. But for two, I started applying that in life and in business because now it's a lot of things we want, a lot of big pictures, visions and ambitions that we got. But it all comes down to that first step. And we'd be so focused on that big picture, that big thing that it 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 it, it keeps us from taking that first step, the small thing. So and if you focus on all these, these, these the, the big picture, you're never going to take the action, do that small thing, take the next step, to the next step, take the next step. And when you look up, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't create it, you don't create it, you don't finish the, finish the task at hand. So it's kind of like, um, like you're painting a picture. You, you, you see this, this elaborate picture from a, from a, from an artist. But. You didn't see you, the, the how the artist got got to this elaborate picture. He he did one one picture at a time, one stroke at a time, one step at a time, and he focused on the small stuff. So that was one thing that that coach said. He said, "You see a little, you see a lot, you see a lot, you see nothing." And that's kind of like that phrase you hear a lot. You, you can't see the, the the trees for the you can't see the forest because of the trees. How it, how are you looking at it, man? Your perspective. So you got to know what you're looking at, why you're looking at it, and then default um, everything else to happen. So it just made it makes me today focus on the small things, the small goals. And even though I got the big goals, I gotta do the small things right repeatedly over a period of time. that add up to the overall big picture the, the outcome that I want versus getting so caught up in the big thing and being paralyzed. Cause I see this big picture, but I'm not taking any steps forward or not doing anything that's gonna help me get to that bigger goal.
1: Right. And I, I think, unfortunately, I feel like it takes some time, like a 17 year old kid, like can't always quite grasp that concept that sometimes it takes like, some trial and tribulation to get to that point. But hopefully someone who's listening to this, uh, hopefully we can save them some, uh, some, some, you know, struggle uh, yeah. in, in yeah, learning yeah. that. Uh, hey, the,
0: the struggle will make them realize it at some point in time.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so back to the Inky Johnson injury, I was just curious, like, did that change the way that like you played the game? Like, did it scare you at all? And like, how did it affect the team? Cause I, I, I was a student manager for the Rutgers football team when Eric Legrand uh, got paralyzed and I was Mm -hmm. on the field for that. And like, it, it really shook the team like incredibly. And, you know, we did not have a very good season after that. And I think a lot of it had to do with like guys were scared and they were, you know, worried. So how did that affect you guys?
0: Man. And and I can honestly say it it did not make me or some of the guys in the in the, in the DB room play more timid, um, but it made us aware of hey, staying on top of your form, tackling, and doing things the right way. So it didn't necessarily make us more timid. Maybe because that's just how we approach the game. And that was and based off ink response, it was never hey, be safe, be careful. It was more hey, this is the play we're supposed to make. I came down here full speed, and this just happened to be the outcome that don't mean it's going to happen to everybody. So the perspective on it was so different. It didn't make guys timid per se, but it definitely was one of those ones where um, you, I guess we made it, we probably didn't realize how, how serious it was until, after the fact um, with it being permanently paralyzed, but it, I, I can't say it made us more timid, but it made us more aware and just make sure we did form technique style tackling and, and continue to go, Full speed because a lot of times we realize that we was always told that you get hurt when you, when you, when you, when you linger around or when you, when you're late to the pile. So you want to be the one causing the pile and causing the collision versus being the last one there because that's when a lot of guys get rolled up on. So, um, it didn't have that much of a effect, but I can definitely see how that, how that Rutgers deal would have an effect. Um, that was, that's, that was, that was a tough one to, to, to hear about as well.
1: Yeah. What are your thoughts on kind of like the current state of like football health and safety and defenseless receivers and targeting penalties? Like, what do you think, you know, are, are, is the NFL and the NCAA doing a good job at trying to make the game safer? Or like, what are your thoughts?
0: Man, I honestly hadn't thought too much of it. I do know this, though, um, from the concussion perspective, I do know of... Some tools and resources that are out there that are not being used due to the fact that it would prove that the stuff that's used right now is not comparable to what it should be. Personally, I know the, the owner of a company that, that has some stuff that should be used right now, but just based off of legalities, no one has took them up on, on this yet because it's going to prove that the stuff that's using kids, kids and, and, and athletes shouldn't be wearing because it's not helping. Um, so that part right there, I know will be addressed at some point in time, just a matter of when, as far as making the game safer, man, it's a, it's a contact sport. So I don't know how safe you can make it. If if you got guys who's going to be relentless and, and, and play and play and play ball, man, they're going to play ball. So you can, that game is one of those ones you can get hurt either way or go as far as them um, taking away some of the types of hits. I mean, that's, that's, they, they can control that. So that's smart. That's the way to do it. It'll it make guys not launch and do certain things and they help them, help make you look to avoid it and do stuff right. But at the end of the day, that game's so full speed, man. It's, it's bang, bang. Guys are never in the same position that they are when a guy goes to make a tackle. So any moment can lead to any particular type of injury that could be, um, devastating. So it's just one of those deals that is a contact sport. Longest kids are trained how to do the things the right way and once the rest of these things are implemented on protecting kids brains with the proper equipment versus the stuff that it's getting used right now i believe that that for the most part things are getting done how that should be done other than that man it's just one of those things you don't want to play that game if you feel that you could get hurt of your timid, because when you are timid to play at full speed then a lot of times injuries do, does happen and I wouldn't say they're doing everything they can do because I definitely know there's more they can do. But for the most part, like, taking away some of the hits and the calls and defense, and, and um, defenseless players, that's controllable so they can control that. So hats off to them for, for helping where they can, even though there is more stuff that can be done when it comes down to the concussion side of the game.
1: All right. And you were a defensive back, right? Yes, sir. And so a lot of the defensive backs, like in the NFL, they're always the ones saying like, well, I can't, I, you know, I'm, I'm always, if I play in the defensive backfield, then I'm bound to get fined just because, like, of how the rules are. Like, do you, like, yep. how much control do you think defensive backs have? Or, you know, do you think they're screwed
0: based man. off of the rules? Based, based off the rules, guys are going to get fined, man. Um, if, if you got guys that are headhunters and coming downhill to play ball and make tackles, they're going to get fined because guys going to wiggle, guys going to move, and that's just how it's going to happen. At the end of the day, you playing a game and you're not there to hurt no one, like, long-term-wise. But in essence, you're there to, to hit them tackle them, per se hurt them. Um, and that's going to come with it, man. But as far as the defenseless player targeting part, I mean, you can control that. I mean, you you know, that's you, you can let up on a guy if you know he ain't going to catch it. But then you got some guys, man, that's in, that's, that's DBs. They don't, they don't like tackling. Um, they'll throw an arm out there and, and grab you up and wrap your legs up and avoid you. So it, they, you got some of those guys. They might, the game might change and you got a lot of softer DBs out there, man. So as far as, as far as I'm concerned, you, you're going to have the good with the bad, but they're going to get fined if they, if they reckless and, and like to come downhill, man. Cause you, you bound to have a guy duck and move and he's going to pay for it either way it goes. So. That's just one of those things you're going to have to change how you play the game. And some guys I don't see changing, but it's a lot of guys that are, I guess, nicer per se. This gen with, with with the generation coming out, you're going to have some guys that are, that are more want the ball to go for the pick versus go for the big hit. So you never know, but it's it's they going to get fine.
1: Yeah. And I don't think that, you know, those guys that you're talking about are. Soft per se. In my mind, like I'm someone who almost died from a brain injury playing football. And I was the kind of guy who would throw my body around, stick my face in your chin. Like I was trying to run people over constantly. I was a guy always looking to make big hits. And the reason why my career ended as short as it did was because I played like that. So in my mind, if a guy is making the arm tackles, wrapping guys up and like not going for the big hit, but going for the interception or whatever, to me, that's like, That's almost smart, you know. Like if you want to keep playing, (laughs) like that—that's what you got to do. If you want to keep playing, you don't hurt yourself, right? Uh, Right, right.
0: Guys playing smart. That's hey, you can can call it that. We'll we'll take that too, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: uh, but what was your approach to kind of staying healthy? Was it just going 100 miles an hour always? Like when you're out there, or you know, did you have any other injuries after the ACL? Or
0: well, the the the, the, definitely the approach is go full speed ahead. I want to come down here so. I know this. I want to be the hunter versus the hunted. And in SEC, man, you got to get guys before they get going. And either you're going to be on the delivering side of the blow or you're going to be on the receiving side of the blow. So I always want to be on the delivering side. And as far as injuries, I ended up hurting my AC joint and my senior year, the first day of camp without pads. And that happened because normally when we got pads on, I tell the DB, I mean, the corner, hey, you get the ball, I'll take care of the, the, the receiver. Well, in this case, we didn't have pads on. We just had helmets and I jumped, me and him jumped for the ball, got tangled up, came down, landed on my shoulder and thought I was going to end up having to have shoulder surgery. Didn't have to wear a celly, get cortisone shots, get a drain, all that other crazy stuff. So once my time came down at University of Tennessee, that was one of those chances to either get it fixed or not per se. I did not want to have shoulder surgery again. So that was probably one of the things that. I was like, yeah, this this football thing ain't gonna last forever because I ain't getting cut on again. But it was one of those you just you just go full speed ahead, man, and and get your head around, wrap up, and and make contact. So for the most part, it was just deliver the blow and make sure your neck ain't in the way and, and your head is up. So that was a, that was literally it, man. I ain't thinking nothing about it, thinking nothing else of it. Sometimes you see some stars and stripes. Every once in a while, get a little get a little stinger in there. Every once in a while, but for the most part, it was. Hey, that's what you do. Full speed ahead.
1: Yeah, I, I had an AC joint injury my senior year too, which is why I think I hurt my head eventually because I stopped using that shoulder, started hitting with my other shoulder, and then I had nothing else to hit with but my head. So, mm. I mean, the, but that AC yeah, joint—that really killed. Yeah, that that hurt yes. a ton. So I know the pain that you went through with that one. Um,
0: yeah, that'll sit but, you down, man.
1: Yeah, in the in the book that you that you wrote. You talked about your friend E B and the impact that he had on you and how you kind of like looked up to him. So, what what did you learn from from E B?
0: Man, E B preparation was, was was just incredible. Man, a lot of a lot of people just see him make plays on the field, but they never saw the preparation that went into him. Even though he's a phenomenal athlete, they didn't see the preparation. So, one thing I took from him is just because you are a playmaker and people see you as a playmaker, that don't mean you prepare to make the plays. And the guy would study when it come down to the film, when it it came down to to just knowing what people were supposed to be. That's why he always ended up in in the right place at the right time because of his preparation. So he would prepare to make the play, put himself in position to make the play, and then he would execute to make the play. So seeing that on the field and behind the scenes and in practice, I figured, hey, he can be a playmaker. I can be a playmaker. It might not be to the playmaker ability that EB has, but to a certain degree in my own world, I can be considered a playmaker. So I just took that that approach, the preparation approach, putting yourself in position approach. And then once the opportunity presents itself, making the play and I apply that to life and in business. So when it came down to opportunities, like for example, you get a chance to speak in front of a group, I prepared and had been prepared to share the message. So now when I got the opportunity, I was prepared. And I was in position by just, hey, when I might have been out networking or whatever the case may be, I got myself in position to get a chance to be in front of somebody to speak. And then lastly, when the opportunity presented itself, I was ready to speak in front of the crowd. So just seeing how he attacked it with that perspective of preparation and then positioning and then execution i believe that's that's the formula for life and business man um because if you don't prepare you might not be in a position to execute or you you could prepare but if you don't put yourself in the right position you can't execute i mean and then if you put yourself if you prepare and put yourself in the right position and you don't execute then you make the play so it's one of those formulas where a lot of people might have one or two but nobody ain't got all three, or they might be having might have one be missing the two. and Don't know why they can't be consistent at making plays, or they might have a good game and they execute on all three of those, but can't do that consistently over over a season or over life over a lifetime or over a business. So that was one of the things that I, I took from them and I apply daily, man. And a lot of times people want to win really really bad, but they don't have the the mindset to go prepare, and then they don't have the mindset to put themselves in position to win. You know this as a DB. You can be in good position, you can be in bad position. And that's just that's how the game goes. So when it comes down to being a playmaker, the boy finds himself in good position every single time, man. You go turn on his film, he in position to make a play every single time. And then majority of the time, he make the play. He seals the deal, he finishes it. So seeing that from him, man, it's just one of the things, hey, that's applicable in every phase of your life, not just on the field. And honestly, that's probably one of the most – non-discussed things or, or things the guys probably played with him was able to take away. So hopefully some of those guys will hear this and, and, and see the, the the preparation, the the putting himself in position, and then the execution. And that's how you got EB to so many times pro bowler in the NFL doing the same thing he'd been doing because nothing changed. He's still a playmaker wherever every, every level.
1: Yeah, give yourself a fighting chance, right? Uh, that's so, it. So in one part of your book, uh, you talked about yeah, having to transition your mind before you can uh, transition your grind. And can you kind of talk about like, what that means in, in relation to what your transition to life after sports has been like?
0: First, I mean, and, and, and that's awesome you picked that up. And first things first, man, you got to get your mind right. Because for a, a great example, once your playing days are done, you see yourself still as an athlete. You probably operate still as an athlete. But now you got a job. And now, if you see yourself as an athlete, you see, if, and you operate like an athlete, you're going to walk around in sweats. You're going to thinking, you thinking you can just, you're supposed to be just going to the weight room, hitting the weights. Well, you still, you're, you're in the, you got that same athlete mindset, but you're in a different stage of your life. So what I had to do was realize, hey, this game is over it's time for me to start thinking as a businessman acting as a businessman doing what businessmen do so when i get into this business world now that i'm in the business world i can operate at a high at a higher level like businessmen do because my mind is there versus just my grind being there so you can move on but if your mind don't move on and your mind don't shift to the next phase of your life the next thing you are if you're still stuck in the past that hey i'm an athlete I dress like an athlete, I look like an athlete, I walk like an athlete, I do what athletes do, but I'm in the sales world, you ain't gonna make no sales, just because you haven't transitioned your mind to, hey, I can approach sales like an athlete approaches it, but I'm a salesman now. It's time for me to go ahead and put these works in, make some make some phone calls, do some follow-ups, get some reps in on these calls, start studying these scripts, so now as when I'm on the phone, executing the game plan, I can sound like I know what I'm talking about as a salesman. So. That transition in your mind before you transition to grind, your, your mind gotta where, where, your, where your mind will go, your body will flow. And if you try to do it backwards, you, you take your body there, your, your 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 body gonna come back and meet your mind right where it's at. Kind of like the finances. So to become a millionaire, you don't get the money, then you be a millionaire. You be you be a millionaire in your mind, and then you do the things you take to get the money, because then you'll keep it. So that was the that was the thought process behind transition mind before you transition your grind because if, if you don't it's gonna rewind i just made that up but yeah. it sounded like it makes sense
1: <laughs> yeah it flowed nice it rhymed uh yeah and, and in your book for the listeners like you gave some great examples and in particular you, you talked about one time about like when you, you bought a suit and you wore suits around uh school and stuff to kind of like change how people looked at you instead of looking at you like an athlete so i i, re- I highly recommend that people go check out your book so they could find out some more examples of stuff like that. Um but as we awesome, wrap can, up the
0: they can get the first 3 chapters at sportslifebusiness.com completely free they can download the first 3 chapters at sportslifebusiness.com for free right now. So they get a chance to 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 trap before they buy. It. Yeah, I was just going to say
1: as we kind of wrap up the the interview here, you know, where can people find you on social media and and online and stuff like that?
0: Man, they can follow, find me on on all social media platforms. At Derek Furlow Jr. So D-E-R-R-I-C-K-F-U-R-L-O-W Jr. And they can get the book on Amazon and they can download the first three chapters for free on sportslifebusiness.com. The book will be available on sportslifbusiness.com soon. We got some stuff we're gonna do um, coming up that's gonna allow people to take take advantage of the book and another program we got releasing. It's called Sports Life Business University. So, we're going to go all in on helping athletes transition like a champ. So, all that'll be available soon on sportslifebusiness.com. But they can download the first two chapters there now. They can follow me on all social media platforms at Derek Furlow Jr. And they can get the book on Amazon right now at Amazon.com.
1: Great. And all those links will be uh, listed up in the show notes. And you can find a link to the Amazon, uh, the book on Amazon in the Heads and Tails bookstore, which is headsandtails.org backslash bookstore. Uh, and just last question Derek uh, what is your personal definition of toughness because I'm trying to redefine how people view toughness because I feel like that has something to do with uh, the severity of my injury and kind of my uh, I guess lack of self-worth after you know
0: losing sports man that's a great question i I never thought about it but if I was gonna say my definition of toughness man is it's the ability to get back up and keep fighting, keep pushing, keep striving after, after the adversity hits. Cause it's gonna, it's gonna happen. And toughness is the ability to just keep pushing, keep fighting, keep striving because it's gonna happen. It doesn't matter when and, and how long you stay down. So toughness is the ability to get back up and keep fighting, keep pushing, keep striving and whatever you do. Yeah.
1: And, and to me, based off of that definition, I'm just thinking like your whole book is on, honestly like, uh a, i guess like a step-by-step process of like how to make yourself tough in my view and of like what i <laughs> view toughness is, is today seriously though like the things that you list out and the things that you did uh throughout your career and throughout your post career everything you do like to me that's what toughness is like the day in the day in day in day out grind that you that you go through and uh, putting yourself out there and you do all the little hard things that most people don't want to do and to me that, that's what toughness is so Derek you're, you're one man, tough I dude I, yeah man and I'm trying to uh, I'm really I'm glad that you created this book and you know you can prevent the suffering of other athletes uh, to, to prevent them from going what I went through uh, with my transition and you know I, I wholeheartedly believe that this will help a, a ton of athletes uh, down the road so and, and thanks for coming
0: on the show man I'm, I'm i'm just blessed to be here man thank you for having me and 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 i appreciate you for doing what you're doing man because it's definitely laying the foundation for athletes to realize that there is a resource out here that can help them with their transition into life after like sports or with their transition into whatever they're facing man. so thank you for your time thank you for the experience kevin thanks jerry